previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I don't know why Thomas gets such a hard time because he has exactly the same experience as the rest of the disciples. Yeah. He just wasn't there. He just wasn't. But they should, I mean, Doubting Thomas is all you ever hear. And I'm like, he's (laughs) no different than that. Well, this is how people act when you miss church. (laughs) They give you a hard time. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) They give you a hard time about things they learned a week ago. (laughs) Although, did they? That is so last week. Because, like, yeah. Yeah, he came, he, he gave us peace. Well, why is the door locked? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, we're still we're still working that. Okay. That's a really good point <laughs> that I never uh, considered. I didn't either. I noticed that this week. I go, he gave him, he said, peace be with you twice, and the door is locked the next door's week. The door is still locked the next <laughs> yeah. week. Some traditions are slow to change. We've always locked the door when we go to Oh. I think if it's a locked door, it's a cult, technically. That is There's the locks on the outside. Really good point. I <laughs> that will preach. That, that, is, <laughs> that will preach. I know. There's a sermon there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, right. wow. Peace be with you. I think, does it say locked in your version? A week later, disciples are getting the house, although the doors were shut. Okay, it's it's literally locked. I happen to be reading a different translation. That's great. And Jesus... Came and stood in their midst, probably giving him a little, added, a little, give him a look. Uh, <clears throat> peace be with you. Door like, still yeah. locked. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Maybe tried the door before. <laughs> oh man. Welcome to reading in church and other distractions with Rob and Mike. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Robert Wallace. I'm Michael McKeever. And after several false starts, we have finally started this podcast this week. Um, and I have a cold. Yeah, listen to the the dulcet tones of Michael McKeever today coming at you. A little bit, a little bass. We should do some voiceovers. <laughs> that would be fun. Now's, now's the day to record them, for sure. Your drive time lectionary <laughs> zoo crew. Oh, and... Because Mike felt what this podcast needed was more cowbell. It's, so. As Mr. Miyagi says, it's about balance. <laughs> so, He's so, more of a homeopathic healer. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back this Inscrutable. Week. We are on, we are, he's also on cold medicine, so goodness knows where we're headed this week. Uh, it is the second week of after Easter. No, the Emperor me. Penguin. <laughs> no, it's the Monarch Penguin. No, the Monarch Penguin. You, to you the think south. you've the got a raw deal? <laughs> All right, let's get back to the podcast. The men folk are babysitting an egg while the women are on <laughs> gallivanting around. I lost control on herring. If you would like to write a email to let me know when it was, I lost con- lost control. It was early. It sounds uh, more like foghorn leghorn. We are <laughs> we are the third Sunday of Easter. Uh-uh. Um, I thought it was the second, but it's the second Sunday after Easter because the first Sunday of Easter is Easter. Easter, and mm-hmm. so this is the third mm-hmm. Sunday no, of Easter. Um, zero. So we still are just stealing my Old Testament reading away from me. Yes, but we have Acts two again. Uh, Psalm 116, 1 Peter 1, 17 to 23, and Luke 24. So we're back in Luke. Ah, great. Um, so that's good. As long as we're staying in Luke and John, I feel you're doing all right there, right? Which Old Testament text would you like to begin with? Yeah, I think I'll start with Psalm Acts or Psalm. Yeah, the, this one, I don't think this one has as much, the, this Acts passage has quite as much okay. Old Testament as it used to. So. Right. So why don't you read Psalm 116, Psalm 116. see if we can get this thing back on track. 1 to 4 and... 12 to 19. Yeah, 1 to 4 and 12 to 19. Yes. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. I can go deeper. (laughs) The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of shoal laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, save my life. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. He lifted up the cup in case you (laughs) missed that on the podcast. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your serving girl. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's praise the Lord there. It finishes with hallelujah. Great. The uh, it's classic Thanksgiving hymn. Um, 
It's one of the Hallelujah collection from that I talked about. Uh, I guess it was a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, one eleven to one eighteen. Uh, this one is read on Passover, so I suppose fitting we read it this week since this Passover has happened yes. this week. Um, it's the psalm that's read after the fourth cup. Uh, is as a the psalm. week that we're recording this. The week we are recording this, yes. correct? Right. Which well, this will post Saturday of the week we're recording mm-hmm. it. So right, and Thanksgiving was a long time ago. Thanksgiving so, but yeah, was so. yes. This is little little tea Thanksgiving, not capital yeah. oh, T Thanksgiving. Uh, yes. Um, but yeah, one of the one of the halals used as, as part of Passover. Um, they they so they took out part of the lamenty part. It's it's a it's a complicated psalm. It's kind of it's got there's no particular order in which you find the elements of the Thanksgiving in this, and so mm. they they've cut out a little bit of the lament portion before you get to the Thanksgiving portion. Um, Everyone has a different Thanksgiving tradition. It's, it, well, there's a lot of different traditions, aren't there? Yes. Um, I hate it when we when we don't read the whole psalm, but that's that's okay. Mm. I'll get over that. I hate it more when I don't have an Old Testament passage, but I'll get over that too, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Not, not noticing much progress. Yet, <laughs> not getting but. very far. <laughs> what are you going to do? Keep um, the matter for prayer. The uh, it's it's interesting. I said that it ends with Hallelujah, and of course, anytime you see the words "Praise the Lord," I mean Hallelujah is a call to praise. It's it's a second person imperative, plural imperative. So you are calling on the people to praise Yah. Praise you, hallelujah. Literally, it means turn to the person next it to you doesn't. in the pew. It does not. It says, how, it means hallelujah. Ah. Uh, and, hey, I can do a trivia question for you. Let's see how you do. Ready for trivia time? Let's see sure, how we do. I've got a lot of cold medicine in my system. In, in 150 <laughs> Psalms, oh, from my. 1 to 150, where do you think the first oh, time... This is in our podcast. Yeah, Is it already? Yeah. Oh, dang. I don't listen to it, though. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is the first time the word hallelujah occurs in the Psalms? Way later than you think. Yes. 118? 104. Ah. So, we have 104. Two-thirds of the way through is the first <laughs> Two songs <one>. after this? <laughs> probably not a good guess. 104. Yeah, that's right. It probably wouldn't. Yeah, guessing after the one we're doing is probably a poor wow. guess on that one. Yep. Bob Barker would not have been proud. Um, but, yeah, so this is this is a hallelujah. It has the ha- one of the hallelujah psalms in it. Um, there is one translation issue I'd probably take with the NRSV here in verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. Sure makes it sound like God's excited about folks dying. Yeah, and how I read it. Didn't yeah. it? it was like, oh, I'm starting Precious to. Precious are the, the sight of the Lord are the death of his faithful Way ones. Way too chipper the first darker. half of that verse. Yeah. Um, I, I, I prefer the translation weighty or mm. serious or mm. earnest. Mm-hmm. Um, that That is another sense of that word. Gravitas. Um, it's it's not sweet. Mm-hmm. It's not that word. It's yeah. it's It's... Um, yeah. earnestly concerning God, I think, is uh-huh. a better way of thinking of that verse than um, than thinking that God's excited about folks dying. Because right. yeah, I don't think that's what the psalm is trying to convey. Uh, I don't want to speak for God, but I don't think that's what the psalm is trying mm-hmm. to convey. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously this person is upset about death. You see that in verse 3. The snares of death encompass me. The pangs, pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. Mm. Um, again, we're transliterating that word I prefer grave the pangs of the grave lay hold on me is I think a better translation Um, because we do tend to associate you know a theology of afterlife with that Mm -hmm. word Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what the psalm is doing so Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this psalm other than those things that I just said Um, it's all good it's all good you have questions in your cold medicine induced (laughs) Perceptions. Actually, actually, the only thing I read on was First Peter. I realized, man, I don't. I have not lectured on First Peter in ages. I better go back and glance at that. So <laughs> I, I did look I, at the I, psalm. I'm still in the psalm, <laughs> and I realized I liked it. So okay, well, good. There's a lot of good verses. I in have there. a lot to give thanks and praise the Lord for. As a uh, my brother who was scheduled for right. open heart surgery, uh, his condition has uh, interestingly changed after. Many, many people prayed for him. So that's a, a wonderful, I'm, uh, wonderful I news. am praising the Lord this morning. So yeah. I'm, I'm delighted uh, and uh, thankful. So, well, we'll have to share yeah. later the uh, the humorous moment that happened between us this week um, <laughs> when I was asking you for some resources. That was that was pretty good. We'll, we'll do that in our mailbag <laughs> I, segment at the I end. I don't of remember. The, so at the end of the okay. at the end of the podcast, something right. to look forward to. Okay. Um, but no, anything else here that. Um, I can offer. I just let, I just uh, enjoying this psalm, okay. and uh, you know it's like um, one of our difficulties uh, as Bible theology teachers is to sit in church sometimes and not critique. Yeah, you know, right. And I think about um, every sermon I've ever heard on prayer, I've never critiqued it. 
it's just give me prayer or Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I go, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. It doesn't matter who says it's like, yes, that's, yes. That's interesting. I need to hear this. Yeah. This is this is for me this morning, and so that's interesting. I, I, and even I'm aware that I'm not critiquing it. It's like, mm, yeah. So wow. Um, there's certain themes like I'm not in critique mode. It's just uh, or. Or even slice and dice mode. It's just uh, like there's something we totally understand. <laughs> yeah. Something I completely un- endorse and relate to. Uh-huh. And, yeah. So someone who's telling me to praise the Lord, give thanks, or and or prayer, uh, pray. I'm I'm all there. I'm all in. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a tip. Maybe yeah. Spend more time preaching on <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> if it's going bad, change the sermon to <laughs> one on prayer. And this leads me to my main point on prayer. Right. And Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> I, I do think it's, and I said this, that it, I don't think it's trying to lay out a, a, a fancy theology of afterlife. And I think that's important because for the psalmists and before, they weren't thinking in terms of afterlife. Yeah. They were only thinking in terms of here and now. That's... And I mean, we can fix so much in our theology and afterlife. You know, we just mm-hmm. fix so mm-hmm. much. It's like, oh, life's hard. Well, eventually yeah. it'll oh, be good. Yes. And and for the psalmist and for these people before, they were they couldn't fix it. For them, it was, God, what are you doing now? Help me now. Yeah. And so, I mean, that to me, that heightens the Thanksgiving at that point. Yeah. If you understand that they're not thinking about, well, in heaven, it'll yeah. be okay in heaven. That is something I, as a New Testament person, I look at the Old Testament and think, oh, you know, there's a lot that is deferred to the the uh, yeah. the afterlife or the future in the New Testament. And, and rightly so, given the suffering that many of those communities are going through. Right. But I, I, I value the Old Testament because of its breadth. Uh, of exploring dimensions of this life, right? You know, it's just like the the whole spectrum and richness of life. Yeah. And for for uh, the psalmist or or for anyone facing death, it's it's the end of that. It's right. the uh, and the unknown. You know, right? Hereafter, mm-hmm. I mean, the hereafter is unknown, but here, God, mm-hmm. thank you for taking care yeah. of this. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, you want to look at the other Old Testament text? Yeah, Acts let's look at the two. other Old Testament, the later. Uh, <laughs> it's a much later Old Testament text. Part after the Gospels. Uh, we'll read the same part we read last same week. Same part? Yeah. yeah. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. And now this is later on in Peter's and speech. And then later, this is like 36. wavy or spinning newspaper or something transition. Uh, therefore, let the or, entire house of Israel... <laughs> <laughs> you need a transition there. One more time. We've jumped ahead. Verse 36. <laughs> therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptist. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's not what he said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord God, our God, calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. Okay. Wow. That's the end of the speech. Yeah. That's a a big morning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a big morning. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah. This Jesus whom he crucified. Is he being manipulative there in his preaching? He's calling, telling them that they I crucified mention, him. Did I mention that you crucified him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, this is... Did they respond back, this Jesus who you denied? They didn't do that, did they? They didn't. That probably no, wasn't the no, part of the response. They were, you know, they responded to the message. 3,000, is it? Now, I've got this notion in my head. Uh, were there 3,000 who died shortly after giving the law? The rebellion? Oh. The rebellion against Moses? Uh, yeah, with the after the, the, the golden calf situation. Yeah, that golden oh, calf. Yeah. Well, I don't it remember 3, the exact number. No. So, I think I saw, I remember someone making that kind of comparison. Well, probably unfair comparison with the law. You know the law. Yeah, you know the, the you know what? I will look at that while you go that on to expound thing. upon things <laughs> yeah. eloquently. Well, I'm going to be overselling it a bit. Um, what I love about the Gospels and this message is that God initiates. It's not actually, at least not that it's clear in this message, but that uh, that God initiates the kingdom. God begins. God does things. And then, of course, then that culminates in Jesus 
death and resurrection, but uh, God initiates and is acting, and therefore we're called to repent. Mm -hmm. It's not about us getting our act together. Have I talked about this on the podcast? I don't remember. I I make a point of talking to my students that we study the beginning of the Gospels, and Mm -hmm. in particular, sometimes we start with with Mark, and uh, when Jesus emerges from the wilderness, he Mm -hmm. is preaching the kingdom of God has arrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike all its contemporaries who are saying it's near, it's expected, right. it's around the corner. He's saying it's here. The kingdom of God has come, and uh, the question might be when, and when did it get here? It got here when Jesus got here. Um, but therefore, repent and uh, believe the good news um, that God does stuff, God initiates, and we try to catch up. We align our lives accordingly. Mm-hmm. We don't get our ducks in a row. And then maybe God will do something if you right. get your act together. That is not the New Testament pattern. That's certainly not the pattern uh, as it's carried forward in Acts because uh, Peter will later be catching up with uh, what he said right. uh, in terms of its inclusiveness. we that a couple of times. And, uh, yeah, and so that it will be, uh, it'll be, it's something we need to learn, but it's also something that energizes me that the work of the church is discerning what God is up to in mm-hmm. the world and getting on board and partnering with that. That is energizes me because uh and what and growing and growing yeah yeah that sense that you don't yeah yeah it's not all that energizes me and and i'm not saying that there's not value in this but as opposed to a a message of you know why isn't god doing stuff if we got our act together you know then god would do stuff like you know what god is doing stuff um a lot of jesus ministry is is devoted to changing the categories for which we uh, discern God at work in the world. So there's some obvious things, like mm-hmm. someone rising from the dead, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Or next chapter, healing a beggar who's been outside the temple, you know, yeah. everyone's life. But there's other things that uh, how God is at work and, and uh, knowing that all day, every day, uh, God is uh, at work in a dynamic way, not always in ways that are perceptible. So that is something, if you look at Jesus' ministry, um, that's a tremendous amount of information. Uh, of work on that, like all these ways that God is at work in the world. Mm-hmm. So th- that is something that strikes me again and again as we read through Acts. As we're you know we're beginning to read through Acts. I don't know that we're going to continue because I haven't read ahead in the lectionary. But um, as a reader of Acts, that uh, all the Easter readings were in Acts. So yeah, yeah. Got but the early the early part of Acts, mm-hmm. and actually you know parsing his very long sermon, um, that it is a it is a a plot that is kept trying to catch up with what God is doing mm-hmm. and God mm-hmm. is moving out and moving on and, uh, and out from has bigger plans than we realize. Yeah. Um, and yet is also at, at work in ways around us that we don't discern. Yeah. So that's like the, I don't know. I, that's just, a, that's just yeah. a, a dimension of the gospel uh, and, and the charisma. The, this is a little summary of, of, uh, of the good news um, that energizes me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, what is God up to? I want to be involved in that. And uh, I think that's that's the role of the Spirit. You know, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. In in Luke, when he when he talks about um, talks about the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. and he talks about you give good gifts to your children mm-hmm. and you don't give those bad gifts. <laughs> that right. even, even bad fathers don't give, you know. Scorpions or eggs or snakes to their kids, pretending it's food. Uh, and the the message in Luke is, how much more will your father give you, not good things like in the other gospels, but the spirit. Mm. So this this emphasis on the spirit uh, is so prominent. Throughout. You were you were correct by the way that uh, it so was three thousand. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know the exact number, but yeah, three thousand persons died after the golden calf incident. Yeah. Um, and I think the person I read says, after the giving of the law, it's like, no, the golden well, calf is the not the calf law. Is, no, that's Let's right. make a distinction there. Yeah. I, actually, I was, you know, I'm putting a book together, and that was this past couple of weeks. I've oh, been doing a lot okay. of work in that area, but I, I'd forgotten the number. Hmm. Um, yeah, that that this that that's an interesting day. To, to hear that number intertextually now, I'm wondering what hmm. that means. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I know. It's there might the be heels. something that, that's not a common round number you hear 3,000 yeah that's true it's not your spiritual number right if it was 7 or Mm -hmm. you know 10,000 or 12,000 or something we might be suspicious but 3,000 that's interesting the uh, actually the golden calf comes right after uh, the the description of the tabernacle okay and and I think that's a helpful 
parallel oh, so there. Where, after the description, but before the building. But before the building, right. So that you have, first of all, I guess in 24, God says, you know, Moses gives them all the requirements and they, God says, I'll be your God. And the people say, we'll be your people. And God says, okay, then I want to go camping with you people. Hmm. Uh, and here's yes, here's the tent um, I want you to build. Sure, that's there. That, that, well, it's it's a <laughs> that's in the message I think. Yeah. Um, here's the tent I want you to build, and so you get the descriptions of it, and and it's you know the wonderful contrast between the tabernacle and the golden calf, where uh, in the tabernacle people are asked to provide generous gifts, yeah. and Aaron demands the gold off of their ears, and and, and everything uh, in the tabernacle safeguards. That. God's presence among to protect the people as opposed to the golden calf, which gives you instant access. Um, uh, the tabernacle is God's huh. initiative versus the, the human initiative. I never initiative thought about that. And so I've always just like, they get into a lot of detail describing the tabernacle. Now they're repeating all the details. Right, right. They do. You're <laughs> right. Maybe there's something in between that's important. <laughs> it's, it's that golden calf yeah. interrupting it mm-hmm. that, that really contrasts, you know, where, Israel is thinking of God just like all the other gods, right? He's just like the other fertility gods. Mm. And so you can represent him like a fertility god. You can worship him because I think Exodus 32 says that they sat down to eat and then rose up to revel, uh, which Mm. is likely a euphemism Mm. for the kind of uh, Mm. worship that would occur for fertility gods. We'll leave that to the imagination. Um, But that that is in direct contrast to the kind of worship and what God was expecting regarding Uh, tabernacle and dwelling and that kind of thing. And so, so I'm thinking about you know, tabernacle and God's presence and then them corrupting God's presence and those people dying after uh, misappropriating uh, what, how God would okay. manifest in their right. midst. And now God has manifest in their midst and 3,000 of them actually come. I wonder if it is a sort of redemption of that story in some interesting. way. Interesting. That's interesting. Um, Did he grind up that calf? Did they have to drink, they, yeah, drink they had that? To drink the, they had to drink the calf after. Yeah. And Aaron... <laughs> Aaron is... I mean, talk about spineless. Aaron is spineless uh, yes. in the whole story. <laughs> no. And... I mean, and my, my favorite lie that Aaron yeah. tells is the one where it says in the story that he formed the calf, yeah, right? right? And then Moses comes yeah. down and he says, what's up with that? And, and Aaron goes, I don't know. I poured it in. It just came out that way. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone know where all the cookies went? No. From Aaron with his mouth <laughs> It just came out that way. It just, and, and this golden calf came out. And you know what? I think that Cecil B. DeMille actually believed Aaron because oh. in the Ten Commandments, oh, they pour the gold in and they, they just had like these six rocks sitting there. They pour this gold in and when they pull the rocks away, it's this perfectly Amazing. formed calf. And I thought, really? We're going to believe Aaron? We all know he's lying. This, Why are we doing yeah. But um, he just goes along. Any way the wind blows, doesn't really matter to Aaron, man. He Positive he spin on that story. Goes there. But, but it's a... Uh, yeah, the, the part of the punishment was to grind it up and, and to drink it. But the three thousand that died that day, and now here three thousand are added to the, that's I, that's one of those things I, I don't want to see as a coincidence. I have to chew on that. Yeah, that might be something, particularly when it's the spirit manifesting, and that's about to happen in Tabernacle. Yeah. So. Well, and then this is a big church from day one, and there's a lot of probably a lot of pilgrims involved. Yeah. Uh, so this what what we know of the Jerusalem church is that it's poor. Okay. It's poor, and then it's persecuted, and it's uh, marginalized. <clears throat> Yeah, you're fighting today. And it is uh it has huge needs from the beginning. So the poor the collection that Paul's taking for the poor in Jerusalem, you hear that in, in the second Corinthians, end, right? End of end of many of his letters. Okay. And uh, of course the letter of James. Um that's probably directed to an, a, a congregation that's entirely poor. Wow. That's so the language of rich and poor has insider outsider language when you read about James, okay. so okay. that the insiders uh, poor are Christians, poor are the righteous, and um, the rich are the um, unrighteous outsiders. Okay. okay, makes it easier to understand James. Yeah, that that would be helpful. We are <laughs> wide ranging. This axe has launched us into uh, Exodus, <laughs> Exodus and, and James, James and, and Paul kinds of things. So good response, a very good response. Well, it's the birthday. It's the church's birthday. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. Pentecost. More more on the day of Pentecost, yes. So do you want to uh move to first Peter? Yeah, let's move out. Let's move to the New Testament now. That's right. <laughs> This is gonna be a long Easter season. I see that now. Long. First Peter one, seventeen to twenty-three. If you invoke as father, the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. Mm-hmm. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. 
He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him, you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. This is quite a, a beautifully structured and rhetorically sophisticated letter. And uh, Well, the Greek is uh, good, too. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, this, is, this is quality. It, it's one of the reasons people say, well, maybe this isn't Peter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay? Maybe this is a bit Those fishermen wouldn't be quite this sophisticated <laughs> yeah, in their writing. Yeah. They say that about James, too. But, I, yeah. Of course, there are uh, amanuenses, so you, you can uh, dictate and Which part, is the part. word for scribe, for those of yes. us who don't know yes. what amanuenses is. Yes, plural word for amanuenses. Amanuenses are graduate assistants That's of the what the Christmas century. carol is singing about. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Christmas carol for amanuenses? Emmanuel. No, that, I think that's something we, else. That's, a, that's that, an old that joke. One, think that that's already even been in the podcast. That's, all right. Uh, not that old chestnut. Okay, if you um, what was I going? Well, you did at? highlight the exile thing last week, and that comes up here, right? Yeah. The time of your exile. Yeah, right. So thoroughly talking to them as though they have um, taken on the role of God's uh, sojourning so, people in exile. Notice how one seventeen and one eighteen just go back and forth between your identity as God's people, talking mm-hmm. to them as though Israel, and then it says, "You know that you were ransomed from your feudal ways inherited from your ancestors." That is not now. He's not talking to them as the Jewish people. He's now he's talking, talking to them as Gentiles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he's going back and forth. So that it? is not a slam on the law. No, but there are people who read it that way incorrectly. This <laughs> wow, is, yeah. that's a bold statement you well, just that, made, sir. That's a real slant. That would be a that would be a, a horrible misreading to say uh, to talk about the history of God's interaction with His people, a feudal way you inherited from uh, your ancestors. That's true. That's very that's, true. That's that's. That's wrong. Yeah, okay? Paul doesn't even do that. Yeah, even Paul. <laughs> even, even Paul slips into more... caricature of the law. Yes, right. Yes. Jeepers. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> not really. I'm not really sorry. That yeah, funny. we're kidding. Um, but yeah, that that is simply uh, falling into those those caricatures that sometimes we fall Partic- into, particularly in 19 to then reference the sacrificial system mm-hmm. positively. Yes, you know, right. in the next verse, right. like a lamb without yeah. defect or blemish, yeah, you, you probably t- wouldn't call test that reading out. Okay, so so you're saying that 18 tells us we're talking to a Gentile audience mm-hmm. as a Jewish audience in exile, right? So you need to think yeah. of yourselves as Gentiles, right. as Jews who are in the diaspora. You Gentiles need to think of yourself as Jews who are in exile. Okay. And you've been ransomed from your formerly futile ways. I mean, I'm talking to your Gentile side now. Your Gentile ways. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, he'll go back and forth. But that is one of the points you say, no, this is not talking to a Jewish group mm-hmm. in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in the diaspora. This right. is talking to Gentile Christians in Asia Minor. Um, so... Uh, that that changes. Yeah, <laughs> it changes yeah, the, how yeah, you that read does it. Change how you hear it. Yeah. for sure. Yeah, this the uh, that, and, and James same way. Um, Twelve tribes of the dispersion. Now they're he's talking to people in, in Jerusalem, Jerusalem who All, need to think of themselves yeah. as members of the dispersion. Yeah, yeah. So you're at ground zero, but you're talk to as though you're not living in Jerusalem. You know where what people mm-hmm. want to be. Uh, although James has a later flourishing and uh, kind of. Um, very appropriate to read it later in in Gentile congregations. It's thought that uh, after the war, Jewish war, that it actually that's when it really kind of was used as a nice balance for some exaggerations of what Paul's saying or misreadings of Paul. Oh, okay. and, and textually, you really begin to see it flourishing later than in, it's originally in context in Jerusalem. Oh, okay. So maybe somewhere like Syria, some sort of Je- a Jewish Gentile crossroads. I don't know why I end up keep getting in James. Maybe yeah, it's yeah I you've been up, to James every time we've been to First Peter. Because I'm talking about general epistles, I end up in James. So, <laughs> um, But this is just so so rich in in metaphors that they, mm-hmm. they really pile up. And and you need a you do need kind of like a program to know all the characters. So like we're slipping back and forth between Gentile mm-hmm. uh uh, understandings and then back into the sacrificial system. Mm-hmm. And then what, what I, I glanced at something this morning that talked about, uh, which verse talks about ransom? I thought you'd uh, like this. 18. 18. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, mm-hmm. not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. 
like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. So ransom, although you find it in the Old Testament, not very much. Yeah, okay, it's, it's not a dominant mm-hmm. metaphor. But in Greco-Roman world, there is this um, ceremony when you set free a slave that you oh. go to the temple and you pay. There's an offering, and it is though um, you are the the god. You've been ransomed by the god. Now you're free, but you're a slave to the god. To the god. Yeah. That reminds me of a scene in Les Mis. Oh, yeah. With the candlesticks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's immediately what I thought about, you know, that transformative scene where, um, I'm going to forget. Valjean. Valjean is uh, caught after mm-hmm. taking um, some silver from the priest, and then and then the priest says, oh, you left before. Yeah, you left before you took the I best. You left you the, the best, best behind. Yeah. And then he says something about ransoming yeah, him for I God. I bought your soul I for, bought for your God. Soul for God. That's the line. I bought yeah, your soul for like, God. Yeah, that's like, oh, wow. I mean, that's a rich metaphor in First Peter, but connecting it to a play that I've recently seen with <laughs> your two sons starring. You yes. Know? Um, uh, that's just rich. I mean, if you know that story, it's just like... Um, there are so many places you could dig into the metaphors here that yeah. it's just, it, it's just um, there's so much to chew on in First Peter. It's quite, um, it's impressive. It's very impressive, um, this exhortation. I don't know. I just kind of, kind of make, there's like one, one or two things I might uh, look at and, and, and chew on. So there's so, a lot here. So in your mind, he's using... In 18, that illusion of ransoming is probably appealing to the Gentile understanding they have of, yes, that, of that sense. that's where, where I was going with that. Yeah, and he's going back and forth between their Gentile... Um, and then linking it to the sacrificial system, mm-hmm. tying it back into a Jewish understanding of it. So, so he's really... Which is being read typologically for Christ. <laughs> really is sort of trying to bridge these two cultures in this... In, yeah, in this community it's, to help them understand their identity. It's very fluid in how he's just he's he's um, touching on really different um, images drawn from different spheres of their experience, including this story of Israel that they're laying hold of for their identity, and well, yeah. and 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 in a certain part of that story that's dominant will be the exile one, the sojourners, yeah. the aliens in a foreign land. It has got to be hard. For this community, particularly this early community, I mean, now we don't even think about it. But how how hard it would be to come to grips with Jesus, confessing Jesus as Messiah when you aren't Jewish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how do, how do you fit in the community? Jesus is the Messiah, whatever that is, whatever that means. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and the church actually eventually comes around to saying, you know what, it's okay. You don't have to be Jewish to confess Jesus mm-hmm. as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. This is how you need to think about it. Yeah. And so. To see, I think in some ways, that's kind of what he's trying to do here is show them what saying Jesus is the Christ means to a community who probably doesn't fully understand what it means to make a claim for Christ. I mean, remember, and when I say that, the word Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, the Mm -hmm. Messiah in Mm -hmm. Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And and so it is a, a, a confession of Messiah. And so here, here's how that you can understand what that means in some ways, mm-hmm. this Gentile community, without becoming Jewish, which was, of course, what Paul was fighting in Galatians and elsewhere. So, yeah. So I just, it must have been hard. I mean, it really I, must I'm have been always hard. impressed on how they expect Gentiles to be up to speed with these stories, with this scriptural yeah. tradition. Yeah. And, and then tossing off a nuanced uh, reference to it. Right. That I'm, it's amazing to me. Right. That, uh, that they're they're meant to understand that. However, that's what they're reading. They're reading the Old Testament. Right. They're they're reading that in their gatherings and giving attention to that. And they were good hearers. They were good auditors of the text. They yeah. Caught that. So it's, it would be like someone say, um, I thought this through because I just thought of it. But if you were to go to a movie with someone from another, someone outside American culture, and it's one of these uh, parody movies, like Scary Movie or okay. something like that. So it's this. Uh, pastiche of references and and uh, riffs on uh, a tradition a genre yeah. that are and the most famous you know examples of that genre it's like you would be it'd be it'd be hard to explain that to right. someone and bring them right. up to speed i mean like watching an austin powers movie yeah. for someone who's never right. seen james yeah. bond yes yes right? that, yes that. austin powers yes it would be a, a yeah what example. do you call that kind of movie i forget i spoof. forget the name of the spoof yeah, yeah a spoof a spoof is a lot of intertextuality that uh you're just expected to have this reservoir of knowledge, yeah. this presupposition pool. And um, so that's the way we are with popular culture, that most people do understand all these things that we're 
um, this barrage of popular culture. So it's hard. I mean, now it's getting harder for it's us. It's harder I mean, because it's one, more diffuse. One of the things that we yeah. struggle with is trying to find the dominant cultural references yeah. we can use in class to try right. to connect to with our yeah. students. And unfortunately, you've got the... You know, you've got the one group that's a huge Doctor Who fan, and the one group that's a huge Game of Thrones fan, and one group that's a huge Walking Dead fan, and one group that's a huge. And, yeah. and there's no shared cultural experience. Yeah. Maybe some movies. People right? talk about Walking Dead. I've never watched one episode yeah, of Walking I, Dead. I tried, and it was. Hey, let's see if we can turn this I, air off. I don't know. Just oh, hit it was, off. It came yeah, off, I know. It's, so. I don't know if it's noisy or not, but. Um, but yeah, we try to to find a a reference that they can we can share and connect to, and. And they don't it's have hard. that. It's you hard. know, I mean, no. superhero movies, maybe. You know, usually the Super Bowl is something that's as an American culture, but we have yeah. so splintered our popular culture understandings. It's hard to it's yeah. hard to find those connections. Yeah. And, uh, and all, all we end up is looking, falling into our groups. These kids today. You yeah, know? it's hard. Actually, uh, at our film series, the um, former professor here was instrumental in starting Roseanne and Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. Created Home Improvement, and uh, so I was asking him about this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I said, it used to be the next day after home improvement, everybody knew what Tim blew, blew up that right. episode. But, but now it's a, just a radically different feel. Yeah. And he's a producer and he, he produces content for movies and TV. I just asked him to reflect on that. You know, I said, it, yeah, it's a real mixed bag that, uh, yeah. it's a golden age, but you may not even know what's out there. I mean, there's so right. much good stuff out there and it has a tiny, a smaller audience. Right. So yeah, culturally. Well, I mean, I think about growing up. I think about growing up and, and you really should think about it. I do. I, I should. <laughs> do in it. fact, I might do even, it sometime. well, I don't know. Set a goal. Um, but I think about, you know, I grew up in the seventies and you missed the Charlie Brown Christmas special and yeah. life is over, yeah. right? All right. your social yeah. cachet at right. school is gone because there's no video, there's no, video. there's no replaying, there's right. no DVR. I mean, when Charlie Brown's coming on, you know, you take the phone off the hook and right. that wasn't the day we liked phone calls. Yep. Take the phone off the hook, you know, you make your popcorn and you sit and you and you can't wait for that to happen. And there's nothing like that. Now. Right. I mean, apart from maybe the Super Bowl, there's really yeah. nothing like that. No, that's so. true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else here? Well, we got deep into popular culture. We there. did. Well, I think it's <laughs> but relevant. really, the, but but they had one channel and it was scripture. That's it. <laughs> Everybody that's knew it. Everybody. Even Gentiles. Yeah. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. Uh, let me glance over this. Yeah. There's so much there because of that. There's so s- these metaphors drill down so deep. Yeah. You can really get lost in them. So this is a this is a letter that's just wor- worth meditating on. Um, and and beautifully stated. Now that I'm looking at verse 22. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love, love one, one another, another deeply. deeply. <laughs> I was like, wow, you know, you have love. Now love one another deeply yeah. from the heart. Uh, you have been born anew. And again, that re- that that reinforcing the notion that this is not an individualistic understanding. That that these indiv- the, you know, they should actually have these concerns for one another now that they have themselves been loved. Although I bet that's a y'all, isn't it? Those are all y'alls. Yeah. Now that y'all have Those been purified. Yeah. 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 Well, another thing you weave in here, in addition to Old Testament narrative, Jewish identity, their Greco-Roman background, including some of their rituals, which they might be drawn upon. There's a. There's also, we're breathing the, 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 uh, the atmosphere of apocalyptic. You oh, okay. know, with this uh, language of... Um, he was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. So mm-hmm. it's quite the uh, gumbo, as we say, this cultural yeah. gumbo, this mixture of these traditions, you know, and apocalyptic going back to Persia and, right. and then the, uh, the Jewish embodiment of that later, later um, very late, you know, Old Testament era and, and then um, full blown uh, on every page of the mm-hmm. New Testament. But mm-hmm. that's, it's interesting to think about that, that that's just, that's just kind of what people were living in that uh, yeah. That 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 Roman Empire, and the thing is that one of the um, if you read through First Peter, the persecution is probably a result of them not participating in those rituals. Okay. So Christians going another way, giving up that past, and that is generating spontaneous kind of grassroots persecution. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. also the background of Revelation. There's really not a, an empire-wide edict or decree uh, that you can really point to in the first century. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of localized um, persecution, not just, uh, you could say that's rooted in the empire too, because some of it, um, if there's a, in Asia Minor, there's a number of uh, imperial temples. So mm-hmm. there's so it's so intertwined, the uh, religious and political, um, and there's another sphere, economic, 
yeah. that if you don't if you don't participate in that, it's like you're not. Hey, get with the program, right? You know, I remember when uh, Chicago, just to pick a city, city at random, for, random was yeah. uh, was trying to make a bid for the Olympics, and uh, someone, you know, everyone's really getting getting the uh, you know team team spirit in presenting this and let's all get on board. And then someone said, well, maybe this isn't a good thing. Maybe tax wise, you know, if we look at the number, it's like <laughs> that person got crushed. Right. You know? We right. are, no, we're all walking lockstep here. Right. That's the kind of thing that Christians experience when they, when they go against that system. Okay. So, um, you're going to mess this up with Rome. If you don't do that, yeah. you're messing up our economy. You're, you're going to cause uh, bad relations with Rome. Um, there's lots of reasons for us to persecute you, you know, yeah. you're, you're, uh, and that happened, uh, but it's not as though uh, Caesar is handing down a decree. But this yeah. is—you're um, going against the—you're not part of the program. You're not walking lockstep with. Well, everyone. just to say Jesus is Lord is, well, is the yeah. countercultural yes. move there, you right? Know? Right. Because you're supposed to be saying Caesar is yes. Lord, right? Not, yes. not Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So the persecution in this exile that gives a framework for that—it's kind of a orienting. Um, mindset or metaphor for read through first Peter. So that there's a lot of metaphors here, but the ones that'll come back again are the persecution ones and the um, sojourning exiles, aliens in a foreign land is a continuing theme. Great. Should we return to first Peter? Okay. Well, you want to move to Luke 24? I already have. All right. And uh, get some more, post-resurrection magic tricks. Luke 24. Um, <laughs> we were doing so well. You know, we really, we'd done so well. Luke 24, starting at verse 13. Now on that same day, two of them uh, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? Uh, they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And Jesus whispered, au contraire, amigos. <laughs> uh, and he said, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> or now, French. He, <laughs> he asked no, them, I'm the only one who understands what happened. <laughs> he asked them, what things? They replied, the he things. He's sly here. He is clever. The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we'd hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but didn't see him. And then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. And they came near the village to which they were going, and he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table... With them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Mm. They said to each other, wow, no, they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. That same hour, they got up, returned to Jerusalem, found the 11 and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Ah, the Lord has risen indeed. Is that where that greeting he comes from? He has risen indeed, I guess. Because I don't know that I've read that in other parts in Scripture. The Lord has risen. He has risen indeed. He has risen indeed. Yeah, I didn't realize that was in, in this passage. I love this passage. So uh, Cleopas and another dude? Yeah, is... some other guy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> I never can remember that guy. It is a great passage. Of course, I'm drawn to uh, road stories. Right? Yes, you love and so I love this because it sums up so much about this. That that in terms of um, appearances, tradition says um, 
Tradition says Jesus first appeared to Peter. Although last week we read that he first appeared to, to Mary. Uh, to Mary. Right. And 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 literally, yeah. So we won't start with John. But anyway, <laughs> uh, in, in terms of uh, tradition, Jesus appears to other people first. But in Luke, the way he narrates it is uh, that in terms of the narrative, this is the first appearance okay. to people on the road uh, who he draws alongside and interprets the scriptures. And that other guy. Uh, yeah, the other guy. He didn't make it into the tradition. <laughs> That's rough. I think they might have heard this story from Cleopas. <laughs> I think we know who told the Not story. His buddy, his pal. Yeah, so it's uh, you can do that with narratives. You know, you can jump around and it's like so they get back and realize, no, yeah, he's a Peter. Yeah, he appeared to Peter, but they don't narrate that. So yeah. in terms of prominence, this is one way that you say um, you you're working with the tradition. You're you're not changing the chronology, but mm-hmm. a narrative can jump forward or be selective, and so. So what? All right, I'm I'm gonna get comfortable after I ask this question. What is the significance of the road? The road is a lot like the metaphor of exile. I think the road is is this uh, image of um, the wandering in the wilderness. Okay, uh, and I'm being fluid with these references too. <laughs> there are these times um, in the in the stories of the patriarchs or the people of God, mm-hmm. Abraham being called mm-hmm. out. Wandering the wilderness, exile. I'm, just, I'm, I'm drawing upon it rather fluidly. They're saying that this is a something you associate with wilderness. A path in the wilderness is mm-hmm. something that Isaiah takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, it's one of these um, prominent metaphors, I'd say, in the story of God's people. Okay, beginning with Abraham on. So for you, road is the same as wilderness. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Which yes. is a good. This is a good time to tell the story of what happened this week. Oh yeah. <laughs> so oh yeah. I was this week. <laughs> as I said, I'm writing. I'm writing a text and uh, uh, an introduction to Old Testament, and um, I'm in the section on wilderness right now. And and I knew that Mike is an expert in these matters. And and a lot of times, whenever I I've asked Mike for some resources, he says, "Hey, have you have you looked at the dictionary of biblical imagery?" Which who publishes that? University. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. University. And uh, I had, I had never been familiar with, but I but oh. I bought one after Mike had uh, recommended it several times. Yeah. It's IVP. And and so I and I use and it is it's a it's a very nice text. It's to, a different sort it of text. Is a different kind it's of way. Dealing with images and metaphors. Look up and, images and how they can be used in different places and you know what, water. And that's or, very amenable to preaching. It is. It is. It's very helpful in preaching. Yeah. yeah. So you know, water and sky or wilderness, whatever it is, and so. And so I looked up Microwave. the I looked up the wilderness article because I you know, before I asked Mike I knew he was going to recommend dictionary of biblical imagery so I said well I need to look at dictionary of biblical imagery first before I ask Mike I almost sent it to you without looking at the rest and of your text so I I read the article in in this on wilderness and it was okay uh, it was it uh-huh. was you know it was a little thin and a little basic and I didn't have much there that I didn't already have or hadn't gotten from other places. And so I send Mike this text that says, <laughs> Mike, do you have any good resources on uh, wilderness? Um, I've read the dictionary of biblical imagery, found it a little thin. It was okay, but I uh, was just wondering if you could, you didn't have anything about the chaos stuff you talk about. Do, do you have anything you could recommend? At which point you told me. Yeah, I wrote that article. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a terribly it's awkward like a, like a bad skit. <laughs> yeah, I was in class teaching. <laughs> I.e. reading text from you <laughs> as they're doing group work. <laughs> this will yeah, make a good story. <laughs> Awkward moment when you ask the author of the article to give you better resources than the article you read. Yeah. So Well, here's an epilogue to that. that I make this connection between road. Here's here's um, some articles I wrote for that, for that dictionary. Um, oh, did I write the one in Wilderness? I think I'm writing these articles while I'm writing my dissertation, which weaves all these things together. Okay. So I'm writing temple, okay, journey, all right, path, and maybe pilgrim. These are all woven in my mind, and I need to go back and read that article because I either wrote it or I think I read it. I said I should have written this. Oh, okay. Because I think I I got to go back and read it because I went I looked at my CV and I thought that's not on there. Oh, so, so maybe wonder, you didn't write it. It's one of those that it's like felt so strong. I intertwine these themes so much that, it's, that I think I have this strong 
feeling, uh, even false memory, that I wrote it or I should have written it. Okay. Well, that would be <laughs> maybe the I was the story is not nearly as good. It's not with, as good. If you didn't write it, yes, but, uh, it's not. It really I was. I wrote it. it was a great moment, though. I tell you, to to ask the guy who wrote it, you would so, feel just as awkward either way. Would it? It, I would have. Yeah. So <laughs> so just FYI, everyone, implied authors are actually real authors. Sometimes you'll and, sit across the table, and you them. could be teaching on the same staff with them if yep. you're not careful, or having so, a, sharing a podcast. So that's true. <laughs> could have been awkward. This Boy, way. that's a great moment. <laughs> If only we had well, decent resources on wilderness. Yeah, I tell I, I my students that. to write, interact with sources they're using as though they're sitting across the table from them. That, that would be nice. Because at a doctoral level, you may. That's exactly right. They'll <laughs> be in your audience. At a, at a uh, truly representing the, the position you're critiquing, that should be an ideal. That you could say what you're saying to them. Mm-hmm. And they would say, yes, that, that accurately represents my perspective. And then go, well, here's what I... Here's my critique. Here's where I might challenge that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay. So So those are all, those are all interwoven. That is that it's this path, road, wilderness, like a, like a wilderness, a road being on the road is this, um, what's the word anthropologists use? It's this liminal space, liminal space, Yeah. a place of being betwixt and between. You're not there. So Paul, people talk about Paul, call it the, the now and the not yet. Uh, Mm. you're, you're, you're not at home. You're on it. You're you are, uh, and you haven't arrived. Okay. Okay. And that does something to you. That does something to you about your awareness. They study pilgrims, and or even we go on vacation. You experience reality different because you're mm-hmm. not in your normal routines, mm-hmm. and you're aware of new things, and you're open to new relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Malcolm X, it was he had some yeah, some very yeah deep deep seated um, and rightly. <laughs> Rightly so, uh, feelings about uh, uh, white folks. Yeah. And uh, it was through that pilgrimage mm-hmm. and the connections he made on that pilgrimage that he he was able to work through that in mm-hmm. a way that's different, realize that that's, that, that is something inherently American and part of our American story, mm-hmm. uh, the American original sin that you got to get over in terms of race. But uh, not get over, but he, he yeah, found a way through. forward. Yeah. Uh, but that's very common that in pilgrimages – the community that's formed amongst people, yeah, uh, probably trips you've taken to sure. Israel or study sure. trips with students. It's like we didn't know each other yesterday, yeah. but now I feel like now you're we're my best brother. friends. Exactly. Yeah, now we're best, and I feel like we'll be that way forever. Right. That's how it was. Well, even now, even now, you know, we had this this great the last tri- one of the last trips I took to Israel was uh, with the best group I've ever traveled with. I've never had a group that was you know on the bus at six thirty in the morning for the optional excursion. Everybody was there. Wow. You know, I mean, it was that was important. Huh. So. It was, they were always engaged. Let's see one more trip. We can skip lunch. I mean, it was, it's oh one my. more site. It was that kind of a, <laughs> that kind of a bunch. And, and Who are so, these students? Yeah, I know. They were, they were very engaged. It was tremendous. And, and we did, we were there for Palm Sunday. And so oh. we had a Palm Sunday devotion on the Mount of Olives oh, across well. from. It's Temple. a good, if you, if you it, need a location, it, it, I suppose that's a not good bad. One. That's not a bad place. <laughs> yeah. And, and every Palm Sunday. Somebody will say something on Facebook. They'll post a memory. I'll uh-huh. get a text. I'll never forget this trip. Was I'll it just you guys on Palm Sunday? On, on we that? were actually no. the only group. What, what? Was, it was? It was like seven in the morning, and oh, nobody. It was sunrise, oh. and so nobody was there. I mean, they started coming up as we got there, okay. as we finished. But we were there <laughs> between six thirty and seven. The sun's coming up. And we're oh the only ones goodness. there on the, Mount of Olives doing a, I would, this devotion. I'm picturing the thousands of people. No, that no, is it was wow. just the twelve. Oh, yeah, that would be memorable. Of us. Oh my goodness! And uh, okay, so I did the that. reading, and and um, and and even now, every year, if someone will give me a Facebook, message. I'll never forget. That post a memory. Awesome. Never forget this time. Never forget this Palm Sunday. Every time Palm Sunday comes around, I think about this. You should post a picture. If you so haven't. I should. I'd I like should. to see that. I will. I'd be happy to. It's uh, it was quite an event, and and you're right. I mean, we are that bunch is closer than mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we're closer than anybody. Yeah. So well, and, and it it sounds like an exceptional group, but it's also the 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 context of the, being the, on yeah, the, the dynamic of travel. The dynamic, yeah. yeah. It changes us. It changes us and makes us um open and malleable in all kinds of ways mm-hmm. that um, that people have recognized. I mean, mm-hmm. I just a simple vacation. You experience life differently, experience time differently, experience relationships, um, and so it is a a dominant image, uh, very very frequent in the Old Testament and taken up as even as we've seen in First Peter, um, sojourners, uh, um, exiles, and um, and then a, 
really prominent image in in Luke and Acts, and the Christians are are called the way. Yeah. Okay, the path, the way. That's a good point. Um, I hadn't considered that. <laughs> so that the nature of Christianity is a mm-hmm. picture of a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. Uh, That's fascinating. And the, so the first resurrection appearance happens on the road here. Uh, and mm-hmm. a, a few podcasts back, we talked about oh. And there's some interesting connections, which I haven't thought about since then, between Paul on the on the uh, on the road, mm-hmm. having this radical um, paradigm shift in how he understands Scripture, and that's mm-hmm. actually what's at the center of this. This is actually a, a very tight a chiasm with um, Jesus saying at the center. Uh, so a chiasm, a sandwich structure. Mm-hmm. Um, was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. So this revelation takes place as his people are journeying. Jesus draws mm-hmm. alongside in a very coy way. What are you guys talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he must have done a nice job that he can call them stupid and still get invited to dinner. Yeah. Right? How foolish you are. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. hey, you yeah. know what? You were hey, awesome. You hey. need to come in and talk yeah, some more to us. Tell us more of those good things. Great, about us great truths of, the God, of, the, of God. Yeah, and their hearts are burning. Can you imagine Jesus expounding the scriptures? We're not our hearts burning within us. That's probably an understatement. While he's talking to us on the road, and this is, uh, he pretends like he's going to keep going, and they they have to compel him to come in. Yeah, that is kind of like a passing through Jericho, and uh, he says he was passing through Jericho on his way to uh, Jerusalem, and and then he says later he says I must stay at your house, uh, Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I thought you were heading to Jerusalem. It's yeah, like interesting tension between the journey and then these many many meals and fellowship and communion settings along the journey. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's, those are those are two extremely prominent images throughout Luke and Acts the uh, the journeying and the meals. I've, and now I have a, a might. We've been at the thirty thousand foot level. Let me get mm-hmm. on the ground for mm-hmm. half a second mm-hmm. for ask a silly question. But in thirty, when he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them, mm-hmm. is that that or is that a reference to they shared a meal together? Well, yeah the what I teach is that all meals are theological, right? And in that culture. Those meals, probably every meal they have is more theological than some of our church traditions of communion. They sure. take meals that seriously. Mm-hmm. So understanding, like a Passover is a real meal with a portion of it interpreted. Mm-hmm. So I make, a, I make a bigger continuity between Jesus' meals and his final meal, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's explicitly a Passover. But it is reminiscent, the language is very reminiscent of his final meal. It is. Although you see dozens of meals in, mm-hmm. in Luke and Acts. So did he eat it all or was it just he broke the bread and disappeared? That was enough. Oh, it's that guy. <laughs> that guy was always eating. That's yeah. the way he always yeah. broke. <laughs> yeah. And it's not unlike what we read in John last week, I think it was last week, that the uh, Jesus appears twice and he mm-hmm. doesn't leave. Right. So it's, it's talking about Jesus' presence in the communion meal, in the gathered saints. Again, not quite as emphatically as... Oh, he vanishes here. Yeah, he vanishes. So it's a way of saying, um, it's a way of talking about the mystery of those meals okay. to, to a degree, but also this revelatory, you know, all this, also this singular revelatory experience, which is, I love, I love paintings of this. I love reading this. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've invested so much in this tracing out these uh, threads throughout scripture that it's just, uh, just a wash in the, in mm-hmm. the imagery. Um, I love all the different depictions. Um a lot, I think there's a number of variations that Rembrandt does on this. A lot of people take that the moment of rec, revel, uh, recollection and a revelation where Jesus is still there. He's breaking the bread, yeah. and then you and see then the, they see they have this dawning revelation. Yeah, they, you on their see face. the look upon the, their face of Cleopas and the other guy, Cleopas and that <laughs> guy, guy leaning across the table. And, and of course, Rembrandt plays with the light a lot, mm-hmm. um, or just the one we've got. We've got a number of these in our church. We've got um, a person who's who's so good with art, and he brings in he has an extensive art collection. And he brings in themes, and one theme probably this time of year, probably there now. Uh, he brings in all his Emmaus paintings. Oh wow! And so there's a lot of variations. I, I, I really relish those. But yeah, uh, the uh, the first resurrection appearance in the narrative of Luke Acts takes place on the road with Cleopas and not Cleopas mm-hmm. and Cleopas. Pal, it's a sidekick. I'm going to I'm going to call him Cleopas and not Cleopas. <laughs> not Cleopas. Okay, that's what I thought. This should be a, an epistle, not Cleopas. <laughs> yeah, 
the epistle of not clamorous. Highly apocryphal. Oh, this is going to be written now, isn't it? I that, feel that coming. That could be written. Could be a title of a podcast. As an individual in this uh, in this group who has written yeah. plenty of apocrypha yes. in your time, the apocrypha, <laughs> epistle of not Cleopas, pseudo Cleopas, pseudo not Cleopas, <laughs> pseudo not Cleopas. This isn't really not Cleopas. This is this is a disciple of not Cleopas, right? <laughs> Much later. Okay, we've we've skewed <laughs> academic in our jokes all of a sudden. And Have we reduced fun, our then, podcast audience to a manageable size? Oh boy, <laughs> that it's been quite, a, been quite a day today. So anyway, all right. Well, thank you. I'm going to do what I can to steal the cowbell. I'm sorry, uh, but yeah, thanks for listening and enduring uh, Mike's cold medicine. Mm, um, I yes. think there were some good truths that came out of that, I in spite so. of it, even though we had to fight through the cowbell to get to it. Great text. <laughs> These are, it helps when the text we got good yeah. material. Yes. Right? It's always helps when you got good the material. Writers. We gotta we gotta, you know, get our hats off to the writers. Well make sure and uh, like us on Facebook and uh, leave a review on iTunes, um, leave a review on Stitcher and uh, send us an email to readinginchurch at gmail.com. I believe I got that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, any emails this week? Um, just one. I got oh. one email and it was two words and uh, two punctuation marks. Oh. And it just said, more cowbell. Oh, I see. <laughs> you had me going there. Some All guy right. named Walken. Something well, C. Walken. Have... <laughs> oh, Walked into that one. Have I did. I blame myself. <laughs> have a great week. Thanks for listening. Blessings. Amen. Happy trails. <laughs>